the MacGyver edition of the Never Gets Old podcast with your host, Mac Jackson, celebrating the episodes, the actors, and the influence that MacGyver has had on our lives. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to us on YouTube at MacWJack. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Never Gets Old podcast, uh, the MacGyver episode. Um, just want to check in with everybody. It's been a little while. I've been busy. I do the normal Never Gets Old uh, podcast pretty much every week. And so when Nick is off, I take a moment to catch everybody up on the latest happenings of Richard Dean Anderson and... One of his alter egos, MacGyver. Uh, today, I would like to skim through the issue four of the Fugitive Gauntlet. That's the comic book, uh, the MacGyver comic book uh, from Zlatov, Lee, and Sliney. I don't want to say his name wrong. Sliney? Anywho, uh, let's take a quick skim through it. <clears throat> now, in the last issue, uh, he was captured. MacGyver and the uh, partner that he had running with him at the moment. And they're apparently underneath the Chinese embassy. And it starts off, MacGyver is all bloody, his lip is bleeding, he's tied to a chair. And they're questioning him, but of course they're smacking him around at the same time. And he says, uh, you know, they're, they're basically saying that he's killed people and he's saying if you know everything about me you'll know I, I don't kill uh, but this I found kind of odd they have him saying also if you strike me again you'll regret it I don't know if I could picture MacGyver saying that uh, unless he was being sarcastic in which case it's my fault that I didn't pick up on that uh, it was kind of neat too because they clock him in the back of the head and normally they make a point here that normally it knocks somebody out. Any movie or TV, including MacGyver, you get hit in the back of the head, you're going to be knocked out. Here it says, it hurts, but it's not a magic off switch. Still, I learned a long time ago that sometimes it's better to pretend that it works. And what's neat is he sneaks his hand in and takes his Swiss Army knife back. And apparently he also grabs the guard's smartphone. So they throw him back in the cell... Uh, with uh, Carrie's brother, who we're not quite sure what side he's on at the moment. Uh, and MacGyver hands him the phone and tells him, you know, here, use this, uh, use your hacking skills. Well, the phone doesn't have a charge. So MacGyver says, uh, well, you know what? And I love this because it's very MacGyver. Where there's a will, there's a way. Uh, when, when he says the smartphone is dead, he says, well, we'll have to charge it. So he takes some wiring out of the wall. And here's the problem that I find with this comic book form. 
it's hard to get the pacing, let alone the understanding, because it's frame by frame while he's explaining exactly what he's doing, stripping the coating off the wire and wrapping one end of it around a belt buckle and the other end has to be twice as, you know. So I, I'm, I'm, I know it makes sense, but there's a magic that I think is lost when you're not watching Richard Dean Anderson actually do it. Uh, there's a pacing that's missing. I had to read it a couple times uh, just to understand what they were trying to get across. And then he zaps it uh, with his belt buckle and the wires wrapped around it to get an instant battery charge, he says. Meanwhile, the guys who are holding him, it's funny, I don't know if the artist intended this or not, but the mustached uh, Asian fellow reminds me of the actor who was on Lost and is now on uh, Hawaii Five-O. As Chin, I believe is his name. Uh, it, it looks like he modeled, maybe, maybe it's just a coincidence, maybe he took inspiration from that actor to draw this character. Because had this been an actual episode, I could see him playing that part. Uh, <clears throat> so, back to the cell, MacGyver, you know, hands him the phone, he goes, oh, we got a problem. I went to go shut off the cameras and somebody beat us to it. Well, that's because one of the guys got a phone call or call, used his phone to call and see if he could get in on the bounty for MacGyver. Because Tell me, is the contest for a particular group only or can anyone join for the three million dollars? So now we got an issue because here comes this guy who's gonna shoot MacGyver. And this I found odd too. While MacGyver's there, he says Ah, ping pong balls, he found them in a drawer. Now we're talking. I find it, I could see MacGyver taking them for the possibility of using them, but the way this was written, it seemed like he already knew exactly what he was going to use them for. Uh, it was cute. Ping pong, I had more, I had you more as a hockey fan, which is tongue in cheek, because he is. Uh, that's the bad guy coming in the door to kill him. So. They talk a little bit, and the guy's going to shoot him, but MacGyver uses his magnetized uh, belt buckle to whip the gun out of his hand and then punches the guy out. Uh, so then the brother is going to shoot. Uh, Carrie's brother is going to shoot the guy now that he's knocked out. MacGyver says, no, nope, we're not doing that. You know, takes the gun off him. And it's cool, too, because this panel looks like he twists the gun out of his hand, which I would like to have seen uh, actually on an episode. I can picture it. We don't use guns, he says. Oh, I I'm sorry. I was I was covering you. No guns. And he tosses the gun, which I thought was odd the way that he did it. He kind of just nonchalantly tosses it back. I'm thinking, this guy's just going to pick up the gun again, which, sure enough, he does. Uh, that comes into play a little later, which I appreciate a great deal. So, MacGyver bursts in to, to save uh, Carrie and gets hit in the back of the head by her. And I like the fact that he, as he runs into the room, he yells Carrie and gets hit. And she says, sorry, I thought you were a guard. <laughs> Guards often burst in shouting your name. I was in the moment, as you say. And I thought that was cute, because he's, he's right, like, 
Come on, I was coming to save you. I obviously wasn't coming to hurt you. And what's cute is she gives him a kiss. So now you could feel that romantic possible tension as opposed to her just being the cliche, I'm a tough chick who can, you know, stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with the boys type of attitude that she's had. Um, so Sasha is how I'm saying it. It's P-A-S-H-A, but I assume the P is supposed to be pronounced like an S. That's Carrie's brother, and she gives him a big hug, and they're trying to sneak out, and they go by a kitchenette area. He'd take MacGyver, takes the coffee, a bag of coffee out, tells them, dump it, dump the coffee, we don't need it, we just want the foil bag it came in. Uses that in the ping pong balls and puts it in the microwave. Now we all know, do not put tin foil in a microwave. Uh, so even MacGyver explains it, microwaves create electromagnetic sparks when they find aluminum. The sparks create fire. Fire ignites the ball pieces. Bing! He presses the button. Now, I know all of us right from the beginning have said, wait a minute, the jacket that he's been wearing has not been his brown bomber. And I remember uh, Mr. Lee saying, oh, I don't know. Is there going to be a brown bomber? Hinting that at some point in this series, he was going to be wearing a brown bomber jacket. This is the moment. On their way out, he says, hey, nice bomber jacket. They bold those letters, too, so that you understand. We heard you, and we're doing it. Bomber jacket. Dark, highlighted letters. Think they'll mind if I borrow it? So, okay, so now he's got a new bomber jacket. Let me take a moment <clears throat> and just express my disappointment in the art at this moment. Anyone who knows MacGyver, and I'm sure it's all you listening, also knows his iconic jackets. Uh, my buddy Nick and I were talking about in our last podcast about how important a jacket is. It really does help create an image. We know this from the Fonz with his leather jacket, Indiana Jones, uh, and of course MacGyver. MacGyver has a wide range. The blue flight jacket, the brown bomber, the black uh, variation on the biker jacket, and an actual biker jacket. He's got others too, but those are the ones that are used the most. Uh, the detail that makes this brown bomber unique is not only the pockets, like normal pockets, but he also has zipper pockets that are in the front of the jacket, and you can actually see the zipper. Now the stitching, when you open it up, there's the flap inside to guard for the zipper. Uh, all parts of what make this jacket unique. Where the art fails in this series is, and again, I try not to be too nitpicky, but there's no pockets in this jacket at all. Even the line that is supposed to be for the zipper there's no, it's just one straight line where it's zipped up. Um, it does not look like a brown bomber. It looks like a brown jacket, but it looks like a brown jacket that doesn't have any pockets whatsoever, let alone a leather jacket. It just, I thought it was a major fail. Um, 
if he, if there had just been some effort to do those well-known zippers in the front, I think I think we all would have been much more satisfied, or at least I would have. I don't know how the rest of you feel. Please let me know, though, because I want to hear from you guys. Uh, so, okay, so now that he's putting the jacket on, and, of course, the smoke and the fire starts from the microwave. Let's get out of here. So they get outside, and everybody's leaving the embassy yelling, fire, fire. He says we need a distraction to get their attention away from the main gate. Sasha there pulls out the phone and says, that's easy enough. I just told the security system of a breach in the rear of the embassy. And it seems we are trying to escape very noisily out the back door, which is great. So they all run towards the back. MacGyver says, nice one, Sasha. Seems you can do more than just run away. <laughs> uh, just then, the guard is looking for them, and Carrie jumps out and knocks them out with a kick. Uh, they start shooting, at, the bad guy starts shooting at them, but says, aim to wound. And MacGyver's just barely getting, you know, missing, getting shot. Now they run down to the subway system. And this is a nice, at this moment, MacGyver just runs to, says to Carrie, I know, find me vinegar and baking soda. Right away, as I'm sure all your minds go, mine goes to that episode of MacGyver where he's in the grocery store. Well, the writers are smart enough to know that too, and they have the internal dialogue. A while back, I needed to make some tear gas while out shopping. It's easier than you think. Vader contain, contains acetic acid. Baking soda is sodium, sodium bicarbonate. Mixed together, they create a lot of CO2. This expands rapidly, building immense pressure. Add some chili pepper or chili powder to taste. And as we're in Russia, let's have some strong vodka. It shows him doing this while he's narrating it. Then, throw it far away from you, preferably at someone willing to to make a hole in it. It's a bomb! Fire! The bad guy shoots it and of course pfft, covers the area in instant tear gas explosion. That pepper dust has to sting. Vodka? Burn the throat. So now they run and they get outside and he's like, ah, darn it. The bad guy's henchmen are there with their guns drawn on them. And they're like, Mr. Moscone would like a work to speak to you, Mr. MacGyver. I'm sure he would. But you see, guys, I don't think we want to do that. Well, Sasha has a gun to MacGyver's head. He was He's shown his true colors. He's a bad guy. Ah, uh, we do, MacGyver. We really do. So, They're back uh, with the. They go to the main bad guy who explains his idea that he actually needs MacGyver since he's the one who can figure out how to unlock the seed formula that they're. The whole thing is about. Uh, this is good too. He says. At last, the legendary MacGyver brought to my door. Joseph Moscone, I assume. Take the cu cuffs off Mr. MacGyver, Sasha. He doesn't need them. But sir, he's dangerous. I know that. 
I also know he's probably already unlocked them himself. Isn't that correct, Mr. MacGyver? Which I love, because it shows that MacGyver is such a cut above that to know MacGyver can do that gives you power. And it makes the bad guy look that much more intimidating. Uh, MacGyver takes his hands from behind his back. Guilty as charged, and he's got his hands free. So why am I here? Got sick of waiting for someone to claim your bounty? And meanwhile, uh, Carrie is ticked off at her brother, as she should be. Yells at him, traitor. I will kill you for this. You are no brother of mine. Again? You're like a yo-yo, Carrie. Love me, love me not. And she bashes him in the nose with her forehead. <laughs> uh, Moscone says, you know, if she does that again, shoot her in the back of the knee. Either one, I don't really care. And so then he goes about explaining that he needs MacGyver. Takes them, you know, into different rooms and says that he needed MacGyver to figure out the encryption for the seed data, uh, which is only he can do because Cornwell, the friend of MacGyver's who was killed in the first issue, came up with the formula, set it to a code that only MacGyver would be able to figure out. So that's why he put the bounty on him, but he really wanted him alive. Originally he wanted... Uh, Cornwell alive, but since whoever did the killing messed up, well, now he needs MacGyver. So, he says, you know, you're going to help me. And MacGyver says, no. You want to make a seed that could end world hunger in, into a bargaining chip for the wealthy? You want to re-engineer it, ensure it can only be used one time. You want to let millions die just so you can add more billions to your bank balance. So I say, no, Joe, you'll have to kill me first. I can kind of see that dialogue, that monologue uh, happening in an episode. Uh, and of course, bad guy's going to do, really? Okay, Sasha, if he doesn't hand over, or if he doesn't agree to this, in three seconds you can shoot your sister in the face. And that's where that issue ends. He holds the gun to his sister's head. And now, Mr. MacGyver, you have until the count of three to agree to help me. Or he becomes an only child. Now, I enjoyed this uh, issue. I don't know how you guys feel. Please let me know. It's good. I'm finding that in, in their effort to update, if that's the term or reimagine, however they feel like wording it, MacGyver, as though he were James Bond and you can just get a new actor or, you know, new image. Uh, it's losing, it misses, I should say, misses some of the heart. You're kind of doing a caricature now of who MacGyver is. And granted, it's a very good caricature, but it's missing a lot of the... I don't know, personality. It seemed, it still feels very generic. And of course, there's the part of the bomber jacket. I'm looking at this last page and it hurts me because it's got the collar. It's got the uh, gripping around the wrists and the waist, but that's it. There's no pockets whatsoever. 
and there's no detail along the zipper. Um, uh, But I will tell you what I'm really loving. I'm miss. I'm really enjoying uh, Lee David's lot of uh, story behind MacGyver, which you get snippets of in the back of every issue. And in this issue, he talks about going to meet with Henry Winkler to explain to him why the concept of hourglass won't work. And he's right. And to have him talk about how Henry Winkler, who is known, and I've met him, so I know, is one of the nicest guys uh, in the world, I'd say, uh, right along with Richard Dean Anderson, uh, just a sweetheart of a guy, inspirational guy, just to know him, despite any role that he ever played. To watch him be frustrated, or at least hear the story of him being frustrated, twirling a bat in his office, and becoming the Fonz, which is very intimidating. Uh, it was cute. It's a good story. You can actually read this on, I believe it's MacGyver Global. Uh, if you look that up, it's a new web page uh, that Mr. Zlatov has created. I've tried to send them some episodes of this podcast. I'm hoping they're enjoying it. Which, by the way, can I tell you guys... You are doing fantastic as far as checking this out. I have some wonderful people that are chiming in all the time to just ask, hey, is the new episode coming out? Uh, Gareth, I just want to give a special shout out to you. Uh, I love that you are chiming in saying, okay, I'm, I'm ready. I'm itching for a new episode. Uh, and for that, and for having you wait at all, I'm sorry. Uh, like I said, busy, got a family, have a music career, plus I do the other podcast, which goes hand-in-hand hand with this one. So while you're waiting for the next MacGyver-only podcast, check out the Never Gets Old podcast. Um, we have a Facebook page, just like we do for this MacGyver one. I encourage you all to please go like it to keep up on any sort of news that I may find out. But MacGyver comes up in these conversations all the time. Like, it's not like, you know, it's, yeah, oh, well, I never talk about him. As you know, it's a very big part of who I am. So, in just talking, on that, on the Never Gets Old podcast, it's a little more wide range. We talk about music, comics, TV, and movies. And it's just a bunch of, it's just a couple guys who love this stuff, getting to, oh, yeah, isn't that cool, isn't that fun? And also keep you guys up on the latest gossip. The, the One of our latest ones was about, um, Ben Affleck being Batman and our mixed opinions of that and then our last one was about the possibility turn out thank God to be a rumor of Justin Bieber possibly being Robin but within those conversations you'd be amazed at how much MacGyver and Richard Dean Anderson and Stargate and Jack O'Neill and anything else you guys may enjoy pops up in just random conversation I also try to encourage you guys to um, listen to some new tunes or maybe somebody that you may have had interest in or never even heard of. Uh, it's played at the end of every episode, as will be this uh, episode. And if you ever have a question about that, please let me know. Let's check out what the latest is. Uh, our friend Kate Ritter over at the Magi uh, MacGyver, yeah, Richard Dean Anderson website uh, just wrote a new article or interview, A Life Well Lived. And there's an interview with Richard Dean Anderson. 
uh, and pictures of him at the Fan Expo in Toronto, Canada in August of 2013. I'm dying to read this just because I'm, I'm, I'm sure you all are too. Starving for anything new from Richard Dean Anderson. Uh, showing some old pictures of him. It's showing various parts he's played through the years. Uh, of course, his greatest role being a dad to Wiley. Uh, and boy, I understand that. I'm lucky enough to have two beautiful children of my own. Uh, Mikey, who's going to be five in December, and Everly, who's going to be two in January. And I'll tell you this, too, as a proud father. Mikey requests to watch an episode of MacGyver. Daddy, you know we haven't watched in a while? For our snuggle night, which is when we go upstairs and watch TV and typically he falls asleep in the bed next to me uh, until his mother comes up. But he actually requests, can we watch an episode of MacGyver? We ha now, we got through the first uh, season. So next episode we watch together is going to be the human factor first episode of the second season i think he's gonna love that uh but yeah to have my boy request that that, that that's fantastic it was great uh too he also asked for you know stargate depending on his mood uh but it's nice to know i'm not forcing him to watch things just because i want to watch them he it it uh, it makes him ask questions. It expands his mind. Like I talk about, for example, Stargate. I just showed him one where they went back in time. It's 1969, I believe, was the name of the episode. And he, it, for him to understand, like different dimensions and variations on the same character and different universes, he loves that. He's throwing that into everything he does, where he's playing with the superhero toys and. When I talk about MacGyver, I'm like, there's always a way. That's what he's learning from this. To be smart is a lot better than being strong. And I don't mean strong as far as morally. I mean physically strong. Uh, I think we all know people in our lives who value brawn. Look, I'm bigger than you, so therefore I'm better. No. No. I've had a couple run-ins through my life of people who tried to push that on me, and I wouldn't submit. Uh... So, uh, you know, thankfully, due to, I'd say, a large part MacGyver, I've made sure I tried to be as smart as I can possibly be. And it's amazing how often that comes up in real-life situations. Uh, whether helping you out or getting you out of potentially bad situations. Uh, also, last night we had our 20-year high school reunion, which I just want to share with you guys for just a quick second. Everybody went on about the podcast, which I am forever thankful for. Uh, thank you, Melanie, in particular, who comes to mind. She uh, says that she's a regular listener and really enjoys them. She's not just being kind, which is very sweet. Um, and they also talked about my nickname, Mac. A lot of people are like, yeah, wow, I knew you from when you were a kid before you had the nickname, but boy, you've been Mac for ever. And I talked about how it started in grade school and then a little more in high school, which is where I know most of these people from. So on my sticker that they always put on your chest, they made sure they didn't put Michael. It was Mac. I'm like, that's right. I didn't ask them to do that. They just knew. 
but let's see, what else is new with Richard Dean Anderson? Oh, I love, he did, <laughs> he bought a new Audi, apparently, and did a quick uh, non-rehearsed commercial for the man who sold it to him. And he's very, you know, obviously very charming and starts off with him playing with his dogs, which I don't blame him. Uh, and talking about his experience now, he's always been an Audi fan and more in particular a fan of the man who sold him the car. Uh, really sweet. Very, and it was filmed outside of the house that he built. Which, man, I've seen pictures of the inside of that house, and that is a beautiful house. I don't, I wouldn't, I pr probably would never want to leave it the moment I walked into it. Uh, but he also did Fan Expo, let's see, Fan Expo and Dragon Con. August 22nd to 25th was the one in Toronto. And August 30th to September 1st in Atlanta, Georgia was Dragon Con. If we can just get him to come up somewhere near Pennsylvania, I don't care if it's New Jersey or New York, if they can please work out some sort of deal, I would love to be able to meet the man, obviously. Um, still trying to hope that I can get his attention enough that maybe he'll do a podcast and shoot the bull with me. Uh, but we, that's a work in progress, I'd say. <laughs> uh, I keep trying, though. I try to only add things. I only join Twitter because of him, so I only go on if I feel it's worth it. I don't want to be a pest. I don't go on every day. Uh, I also don't want to annoy my hero, so I pick my moments. Like, for example, when this is up, I'm going to send him this one. Hopefully he'll listen to it. Uh, hopefully he'll it'll pique his interest that he'll want to do a nice, relaxing chat. Oh, another quick thought, too. Heard from Thomas, our friend Thomas. Uh, hopefully I can get him to come on and do an episode. He just finished the whole fifth season. Uh, so, obviously, I said, how'd you like that season finale? And he said he loved it. So when he comes on, that's, I think, what our big uh, discussion will be. His overall feeling of season five. He hasn't started season six yet. Uh, and I also want to see if he started to get into Stargate. So, <laughs> I hope he did, because I think he'll love that, too. It's, I mean, it's Richard Dean Anderson. You can't go wrong, you know? Uh, I haven't heard anything new on the MacGyver movie. And, as you know, quite frankly, I'm okay with that. Because I feel they're going to do at least everything I've heard. They're trying to do a reimagining. Re of him, again, I guess any publicity is good publicity, blah, 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 but I think it will not compare to what we know, but still, last I heard they had a director, and then that was the end of it, um, what else, what else, what else, oh, a friend of ours, uh, who had done the... Joseph Arnold is a fantastic artist who is kind enough to do occasional art for the podcasts. Uh, he did a new one for the Never Gets Old podcast. And let me explain, but by all, all means, please go to our Facebook page to check it out. Or even just watch the latest episode of uh, the Never Gets Old podcast to see it. 
But basically, it says the Never Gets Old podcast. Um, he, he also has to mix in movies, TV, comics, and music. So what he did was he put an Indiana Jones hat for Nick, because Indiana Jones is essentially Nick's Richard Dean Anderson. You know, I love Indiana Jones too, but Richard Dean Anderson is higher on my, you know, yeah. Uh, and for me, being musical, uh, he put Mike Nesmith's hat, his wool hat, which I think is sweet. And then in the center is the Stargate. So there's your Richard Dean Anderson connection. And then behind that is a bass guitar for him and an acoustic guitar for me. Uh, yeah, I love it. It's got a nice blue shade to it. It really, I think it jumps out. Uh, check it out. But how does that relate to us? Well, he has been so kind to, if you go to uh, the MacGyver Podcast Facebook page, I try to switch it up and add a new uh, cover picture and, you know, um, a new profile picture just to keep it fresh. But I want to have a nice, crisp uh, MacGyver podcast banner. Well, he's agreed to do that and he's working on it now. It's going to have obviously the paperclip. Swiss Army knife and duct tape somehow part of it. Uh, he, that should be done soon. It'd be nice if it were done before I pop this up, but I'm not going to bust his chops because he's got paying gigs to do too. But uh, check out his work. Joseph Arnold is his name. Uh, he's very kind to, to help us out. Wonderful artist. Very generous with his art and his time. So, yeah, check that out. What do you say we check out and give a quick review uh, a la conversation of the next MacGyver episode in our list? All right. So this podcast episode is focusing on the gauntlet, which to me, and I, I of course cheated uh, like everybody shouldn't go watch it <laughs> just so I wouldn't miss anything, even though I've seen it a trillion times. Um, besides, any excuse to watch an episode is, you know. Uh, so, okay, my opening thought on this episode is it's pretty darn near a perfect example of if you were going to hand anybody a MacGyver episode to give them the idea of what MacGyver is about, this episode is, at least for first season, that and the pilot were the two examples that really showcase uh, Mac being busy constantly and but cool at the same time. He's got, you know, the, the whoever's with him at the time, who's supposed to be our... It's supposed to be us, basically, because we don't think like MacGyver as much as I certainly do my best, and I'm sure all of you do. Uh... I, some succeed better than others, but, <clears throat> you know, we're supposed to be whoever he's with who can go, what are you doing? What What are you, you know, MacGyver is what we're trying to be, and whoever he's with is typically us presently. Um, so this episode really, it, let's see, um, 
I'm trying to think. The, the, the opening gambit, let's start with that. He has to retrieve a map. And they do the great voiceover that they use in the first couple seasons, <clears throat> which I, I missed, but I understand why they had to get rid of it. Um, you know, there's a thin line between being cute and being obnoxious or overplayed. And I think they got us right to the point of doing a voiceover where we enjoyed it so much that we miss it. Um, <clears throat> so let's see. The opening Gambi's gone to get a map back that's going to prevent a war. I love it, love it, love it. Because this is when they say that he's a cross between Mr. Wizard and Indiana Jones. This episode in particular is one of those because it goes from one thing to the next. Constantly go, 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 which is very Indiana Jones. And it's, you get a little bit of his uh, backstory, him being in the scouts, and, you know, the, the cliche about don't leave breadcrumbs on the trail. Uh, to watch him even just climb down and try and balance on the flagpole to get into the window. He uses his knife to pick the lock, uh, which, you know, watching this episode... <laughs> I remember as a kid making sure, okay, if you do have, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. He gets into the room and the door is locked. Uh, he gets the map, rolls it up, goes to leave. He gets caught and has to leave because now here come the soldiers. But the door is locked and I like to see him turn around ugh, in frustration, slam his back against the, the door, but then take out the knife and use the knife to fiddle out the old-fashioned key. Um, I actually did that. After I saw this episode, I thought, okay, that's fun. Let me see if I can do it. And did it. So, that little bit of history. It gets out just in time, runs around the corner, just as they, the soldiers come and go through the door. I love that. And then, quickly, darts across before they could see him. Love it, love it, love it. You feel that suspense right from the beginning and it just keeps going now he runs out he's gonna walk casually like there's no problem very spy-ish by the way which uh, showed that um, but of course somebody looks out the window and sees him and takes a shot at him shoots by his feet and now they're running at him and he is trying to get away and I love that he, they use the scene in the opening credits for years then where he just takes a moment, whew, takes a breath. Um, steals the shirt from the lady who's doing the laundry. And I love that they surprise the audience when he's climbing over the wall and the, the guy in charge, the soldier in charge, shoots over his head, tells him to get down. And he very calmly says, you know, I'd really like to but I kind of need it. And then uses his gesture of how well to be a, ba a backswing to then swing forward and knock the gun out of the guy's hand and hit him with the map. And of course, as the audience, you're going, it's just a map, why is it hurting him? Oh, he had a crowbar wrapped inside. We never saw him pick up that crowbar and I love that they surprised the audience that way. And then he climbs over and I like whoever edited or directed this segment when he jumps over the wall and the soldiers show up they start shooting just as he's letting go and falling so the bullets are hitting the wall where he was 
Uh, and then, of course, he runs up the mountain. Uh, the sand dune, I should say, as they're chasing him. And just as he gets to the peak and jumps over, they're shooting at him. And the hood goes over his head. It's very uh, charmingly clumsy. And then uses the map to slide down the sand dune. You think, okay, now he's getting over the next hill. How far is he going to run? Surprise, surprise, he has a balloon waiting for him. Love it, love it, love it. And I also love that the writers don't treat us as morons and just go, oh, well, he made it to the balloon. The soldiers can't get him. Are you kidding me? The first thought I'd have is I have a gun. I'm shooting the balloon out of the air, which one of them tries to do. And then it shows him take out his duct tape, handy dandy duct tape, and put a couple pieces on his shirt, very smart, climb up there and use the map to patch the hole. And then I love the line. It's very much like his grandfather, who I think he accredits it to. A good map will get you anywhere you want to go. Actually, his grandfather says it. I can hear him saying that in a later episode. Uh, so that's the opening gambit. And I love that he looks down and he just kind of smirks. And you can tell he feels that moment of pride. When he's with people, he doesn't, or at least very much in the early episodes, he doesn't show... He tries to keep a cool head, uh, doesn't show his emotions to them as far as how much he's worrying. Kind of just, ah, we'll do it, relax. Uh, but at that moment, you can tell he's just like, all right, good for me. You know, and that that's a, a sweet uh, way to end it. And then when they come back from the credits, now this is a segment right when they start the episode, uh, or I should say the meat of the episode, the actual gauntlet. Um, it shows him showing up into the town and watching these soldiers pick on this girl. They're just kind of knocking her around. I, now I, when I would see these, I saw it once when it was on originally, but whenever they would show it on the USA channel years ago, they would skip this part. A shame, though, because I love it. It's very charming. He doesn't go up to them. He doesn't try and fight them. He doesn't, you know, be macho, which is very anti-MacGyver. He's just macho without trying to be. Um, walks up to them and pays them off. Path of least resistance. Why fight with them if you can just give them 20 bucks? Uh, what's funny to me is when you listen to him talk... I don't know if it's supposed to be his Minnesotan accent uh, that's coming out, uh, but the way he's pronouncing things and putting certain emphasis on stuff, he sounds like Jack Nicholson. Go back and watch it if, if you don't believe me, and think of that in your mind. It's pretty funny. So then he goes into the to the uh, the printer, and the guy's kind of ignoring him as he's trying to get his attention. And the guy looks up. And MacGyver is kind of fun. It's it's the Richard Dean Anderson. I'm doing this because it makes me laugh. It doesn't matter if they laugh, which I love and I live by that myself. Um, kind of just making like certain faces, certain comments, while he's trying to get the guy's attention. And the guy takes out a gun. And he okay. Well, if I've come at an inconvenient time, I love that. I I think that you know. You have a gun at you. I, if there's ever a chance to be funny, do it now. Uh, but he gets waved in by the girl, uh, Kate Connolly. 
and she's a photojournalist. And so he goes, <clears throat> waved in, and the guy warns him, you know, I'm a terrible shot. I may try to wound you a little. And the whole idea of him saying, hey, I'm harmless is sweet. Uh, tries to get her out, has to go back. The editor is the one who sent MacGyver to retrieve her. But she does the, in this case it works. Other shows I would think it would be a cliche. Uh, she's a spunky girl who's not going to listen. and She's dedicated so much to her work and blah, 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 blah. Well, they go to see Ryerson uh, make a deal with the soldiers. Uh, the leader of the soldier, who the actor, I believe I knew him from uh, the electric company years ago. So when I saw him on this as a kid, I'm like, oh, that guy, hey, all right. And of course, Ryerson, people would know from Animal House. <clears throat> um, so, and a very classic, uh, unique voice for a actor, and in this case, a villain, Ryerson. Um... And of course, I, as they they have to get over the wall, and I love the fact that it's constant go 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 go. MacGyver's doing one thing, MacGyver's doing the next thing. Uh, there's never a uh oh, I guess we've hit a wall that we're not getting over. In this case, he actually gets over the wall by using her camera strap to tie up the electric fence, and then just slides underneath it. Great. Love it. Jumps down, they're spying on him. Okay, take your pictures, let's get the heck out of here. MacGyver is being the voice of reason. He's not being the foolhardy, no, it doesn't matter, we're just going to do it type of guy. Uh, and of course, she wants to get the picture of the handshake. So, for whatever reason, she shoots off, instead of one picture, she goes, chick, 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 and it gets people's attention. They turn around to get out of there. And there are soldiers who had snuck up behind them. And the whole idea of this Ryerson being a guy from MacGyver's past. Love it. Because, you know, it's he's not, not everybody's going to be a brand new person in his life. In, in this job that he has, he <clears throat> is going to run into some familiar faces. So... Ryerson says, I'd like to introduce you to an old friend of mine. Welcome to my country, MacGyver. And kind of makes that smart guy. Yeah, all right. Yeah, shut up. I, I got you. I hear what you're saying. Uh, I like that, and I understand that face very well. Then they use the silly putty. To, well, before they, they use it. <laughs> silly putty. What does that mean? MacGyver says, well, Dave, it might just be that I'm working on getting you kicked out of this country, too. I love that. He's got guns in his face. He could die at any second. But he still can't help but be a smart mouth when he's pushed. Uh, so then, while they're taking the cameras, it looks like MacGyver's actually here. Take this one. This is probably the one that you want. And he takes the plastique, hooks up the camera charger, or the... Uh, the battery to it and sets the timer and gets far enough away that when it blows it knocks the rest of them on their rear end and they can run and get out of there and there's the of course the classic silly putty with a bang comment which is just funny that's true uh and again she's being our voice she's asking what was that 
because he can't always be a, do do a voiceover, you know. Um, and he, they get through the the gate, and he just gets through the gate as it's closing. And anybody who's tried to slip through a door without touching it as it's closing knows that feeling. And they use that in the opening credits. And coincidentally, for whatever reason, they felt the need to re-film that years later. I guess just because it's a cool classic image. But when they needed to update the footage for the opening credits, they refilmed that. Um... <clears throat> So then they go to the town, and again, I'm constantly reminded of that Indiana Jones feel, falling from one thing to another. They're sneaking through the town, and there's soldiers everywhere. They shut down the airport, all the main roads, all the exits, but they still got to get out. So they go into a church, and MacGyver takes her camera strap, another one, or the bag strap goes up and makes a MacGyverism, which is very cool and a time delay, so that when it blows, it's going to sound and look like potential gunfire coming from the bell tower. So they're all going to run to the bell tower. They're going to shoot at it. They're going to run for it. And MacGyver, as he's walking out, puts money in the donation box, which I love. Because they never really focused on his faith. Um, very seldom. There's another episode with the Eraser. Uh, it wasn't the Eraser. It was Back from the Dead, I believe was the name of it. And he's in church. And he knew enough that the priest should genuflect when he walks in front of the altar. Uh, as a Catholic, I picked up on that too. And things like this. Just little things. They're not being preachy. They're not trying to convert anybody. They're just showing that he is a man who realizes that he is not the end-all, be-all of the universe. Um, and it's cute, though. We need all the help we can get, he tells her. And they get out. He's leaning by the, the, the bus. And he says, be ready for when I get back. Get back, get back from where? As he slips down, flips over, and crawls to the end of the bus, gets in and uses a compact and the mirror to drive the bus safely to avoid gunfire. He's ducked low. Uses it like a periscope. Love it. Brilliant. This is the type of stuff that made MacGyver the legend that he is. Um, <clears throat> it's that... You know, doesn't matter. Just let's look around, see what we can do. Uh, it's a good philosophy to, to keep for all our lives. I know I use it. So now they're driving. And this is pretty cool because this, as I recall, was one of the first times, if not the first time, when you got to see or hear Richard Dean Anderson intentionally bring parts of his history to the character. They're driving, and she says, so where are you from, MacGyver? She's taking pictures of him. He says, started out in Minnesota. And then talked about how he hit her. He left when he was young, and she said, trouble with the law or itchy feet. Said a little bit of that, meaning the itchy feet. That's very true. Uh, I'm sure we all know about Richard Dean Anderson's big bike trip uh, as a teenager, riding up into Alaska uh, 
I believe it was up through Canada, up to Alaska, and then came back. And this is what he's referring to. I love it. it it's a it's a main point in my memory of oh wow he really is not just playing a part he's making this part him uh, and of course the spotter pl plane interrupts them right? and I always think oh every time I watch it I wanted to hear what they were gonna say I wanted to hear more of him telling his you know backstory and she gets that she bumps into him and they crash the bus off the road and they have to walk through the water and he's trying to be optimistic and she's like how could this possibly get any worse he's like all right you convinced me we're in a lot of trouble uh which i you know it's that you know if you want to be miserable go ahead just be miserable instead of arguing with her what do you want to hear that type of thing so he uh it's it's nighttime and and they're sitting around the campfire, and he catches a lizard to eat. And I've read a couple places where people have gotten the wrong idea based on certain comments that were made. And if you take it the wrong way, some people think, oh, MacGyver was a vegetarian. Uh, no, I think it was overly decided that, and I believe this to be true, uh, no, MacGyver is a healthy eater. He doesn't avoid meat. Uh, he just tries to eat healthy. I always reference this moment when in that debate because he catches a lizard to eat. Now, granted, yeah, you're out in the woods. You got to eat something. Okay. Uh, it tastes a lot like chicken, he says. So, and if you watch other episodes, he does eat. He asks for uh, on a episode coming up in this season he asked for a big sandwich with meat in it you know and it you know i think he's like me you just try to eat healthy for your own good you're not out to change the world or preach to anybody you just let's eat healthy when i have an option i'll take the healthier dish over the big slathering of fat uh and it's cute because then she also says, oh, it, you know, you're going to rub two sticks together or call or lightning down. And he says, I thought I'd just use a match. Ah, oh, shucks, MacGyver. I thought I'd get to see some more of your Boy Scouts the tricks or stuff. Uh, and, and that's very true. Because at this point, to us and to her, we're kind of used to him being able to do anything. And... It doesn't mean... Let me give you this example. If MacGyver's car breaks down and he's home, is he going to stay home and fix it himself? No. He'd take it to a garage. If he's out in the middle of nowhere, then he'll fix it himself. MacGyver will patch stuff together and create stuff when he needs to, but he's not going to make himself... It's not going to make a situation more difficult than it needs to be. There's an episode in the, in the sixth season which proves that point because he is uh, driving through a town and his car breaks down. Does he jump out through the side and dismantle a tree to make a part? No. He takes it to the garage. Uh, I, a lot of times when they're going to spoof, I think Mad Magazine did this, uh, spoofed MacGyver. They made it that type of thing where he would unnecessarily create something when it wasn't even needed. So, 
In this case, he says, no, I thought I'd use a match, which is a very early and great point of, I don't always have to do a MacGyverism. You know, here's a match. Let's just get on with our lives. Um, and it, that, which also helps to illustrate the fact that, boy, if he is creating something from nothing, they are in such dire circumstances. A lot of times when they talk about MacGyver, what would he be doing today if we were able to watch the show? You know, because we have all this new technology. We have cell phones that we could carry in our back pocket. You know, we have GPS on those phones. Uh, iPhone you could practically launch a missile from. I think it would, it wouldn't make things easier for MacGyver, I think. Uh, I think, if anything, it's, not to sound preachy, but I think it's, it gets us closer to just dumbing us down and taking the easiest route as opposed to working towards something a little harder. So, had MacGyver been on today, I think it would emphasize that more like wow it make him look even more impressive because look we're out in the middle of nowhere and our cell phone doesn't work and boy that was our whole life boy, I had my music on there and video games and besides I could have just brought up a map and got us out of this jungle but there's no signal so what are you gonna do uh, and then uh, you know they're eating even though she says she wasn't gonna eat it they show her a little while later really enjoying it and then she hits on him. She hits on MacGyver, which I think is the only time, I think, where we actually see him go, yeah, heck with it. Yeah, you're, you know, you're offering the goods. I, I'll take you up on it. Um, I don't know if that was the writers just falling into the cliche that they always have the male lead, have the girl swoon for him, and, you know, he jumps into bed with her. It could have been that. Um... I don't know, it doesn't make MacGyver look bad. I think it's... Alright, we got some time on our hands. There's apparently a mutual attraction. Let's see where this leads type of thing. And it's funny too, because he doesn't act all macho. He just kind of says, well, that's a heck of an offer. And then she does the whole soft voice. Is that a yes? And, you know, at that point, if he starts chewing her away... He's going to look more like a sap as we rewatch these episodes over and over again. So, And what's great is this comes up in a future episode, uh, Friends, which they bring her back. I, I love that. Um, so let's see. Then the next day, they are... Well, I love the fact that they find these soldiers that are waiting for them down this one road these two soldiers and it's very smart and very cool that he carries her and makes her look like she's unconscious tosses her to one guy to keep his hands busy while he then uses the momentum and turns and smacks the other soldier and it's not like a cowboy movie where you are gonna fight for hours but he doesn't knock the guy out with one punch either which has become a TV cliche uh, has to hit him a few times. Meanwhile, the soldier drops her, the other, the one who is holding Kate, drops her and is going to shoot MacGyver, but she clocks him in the head with her camera, knocks him out just as MacGyver turns around ready, has his arms out ready to take on this next guy. 
And then, all right, Kate, yes! And she's ticked because it was her favorite camera. You know, and he takes the moment to actually say, hey, I'm sorry. And by this point, as he's helping her into the Jeep, he's kind of handsy with her. Uh, which, if things went the night before like you would suspect, he kind of would be, wouldn't he? He'd feel very comfortable to just have his hands on her hips or whatever, help her into the Jeep. Um, now, the last part of this episode, they pull up to the separation. There, you know, there's Mexico right over there, Kate. Right over the water. But of course the bad guys have it all blocked off with a whole bunch of soldiers. You're not you're not just sneaking through there. So MacGyver goes back, turns around, goes to this old farm where there's these old buckets of oil and to create a diversion. Intentionally overheating an engine, as he says. And what do the Connolly MacGyver team call it? A long shot, he says. And he's, he's right. Um, but of course, we now learn to have faith in MacGyver. For me, this is probably, again, this is the guy who's seen it a trillion times and, you know, can look at it a little more skeptical. The writing, it, it's the only part in the episode where it really, I guess, drags a little, only because now he starts kicking down... He and her, apparently, start kicking down the barrels of smoking um, cans, and cans that'll blow up once they roll down further, which is fantastic and very smart and very MacGyverish and all that. But it, it kind of goes on for a while, which I guess is supposed to, and it's showing guys doing the run-up, and as it blows up, they jump and have the... It's supposed to be the explosion knocking them off their feet. Uh, but at the time, it's just them going, oh, and throwing themselves sideways. Uh, that's just a nitpick uh, from me. Uh, but then, out of one of these barrels that comes rolling down, among, now, there's other barrels falling behind them. And this, you could say, is a m mistake. I, I found a way to excuse it, but as you're watching it, they're one of the barrels rolling down. Uh, they don't get shot, which is fine, because at this point they're either running out of bullets or concentrating on the ones that are rolling directly at them to stop it from blowing up. So it makes sense that they wouldn't, if they're off to the side, they kind of, they're just in the, in, you know, your side view. You're not really paying attention. You can see what it is. Good enough. And it hits the water. They jump out of it. Uh, the barrel and swim to the other side while the, they're being shot at which again I love that you can actually see the bullets ping, 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 bounce off the water or flip into the water I should say um, they get to the other side and now they're in Mexico there's nothing that can be done uh, Kate fixes her camera a la MacGyver style as she says and they get a picture to end the episode very sweet very cute but again, back to what I was saying, as they're rolling down, there's other barrels that are rolling behind them, people who are looking to complain or nitpick or anything would say, 
Wait a minute, nah. -uh. Who's rolling those barrels down? If the two of them are in uh, one barrel together, who's rolling? True. The writers may have said, eh, nobody's gonna care, nobody's gonna notice. Uh, we do though, don't we? However, I think we also have the excuse for it. It's MacGyver. Do you think he didn't come up with a way to trigger those rolling down after? They could be having a rope tied to the one they're in, and as they pull it, it triggers off the, a couple more. Makes sense. That's just in my head. I, you know, it's not. Uh, even though it wasn't explained, you just kind of go, "Well, I'm sure he already planned for this," and that's that. Um, overall, I, I, I hesitate to do any sort of four out of five type of ratings. This is one of the favorites of the first season. Like I said, if you're ever going to show anybody a MacGyver episode to give them the general idea of what he's about, this is a perfect example. He's humble as always. He's optimistic as always. And he's constantly going. He's constantly going from one thing to the next. And he's, he, you know, like I say, he's never arrogant about it. Uh, we do have a message from Maria Evans who was kind enough to give her thoughts on this episode. <clears throat> Here we go. Here's what Maria said. First, the best opening gambit with the map. Yeah, I think so. I, I can't think of one that's better. Uh, Mac does a ton of different things with it to make his escape. The balloon patch was scary, but scary looking, but cool. Kate was a good character. I agree. I didn't find her obnoxious. Uh, she, she, to me, she treaded that line of, you know, uh, realistic and cliche. So she didn't jump over. Uh, let's see. Her obsession with getting those pictures almost killed them, but it all worked out. MacGyver used her camera bag and accessories to the fullest. He grabbed her compact when they drove the bus out of town. I need to start carrying a mirror in my purse. What? What? I need to start carrying a mirror in my purse. Oh, was something I learned from watching this again. I carry a big one with a lot of stuff, but not one of those. Liked MacGyver's Midwest roots coming out when he told her that the sound she heard was supper. Not dinner. Supper. <laughs> yeah. I agree. I, I, I'm from Pennsylvania, and, and I'll sometimes say supper, too. Um, let's see what else does she say. Oh, because that's what it is. LOL, Wisconsin girl here. <laughs> Kate came around to the lizard-eating idea eventually. Love the part where Mac carries her down the hill and tosses her at one of the soldiers. Yeah, me too. My favorite lines are when Mac explains he is trying to overheat the engine to make the smog. Kate asks him what the MacGyver Connolly team calls it, and he says, a long shot. General Velasquez and Ryerson were good bad guys. I agree. Uh, like I said, the actor who played General Velasquez is an actor who's always stood out. Uh, can play a sweet guy and can also play the weaselly guy that you saw in that episode. See, their relationship was uneasy but interesting to watch. Yeah, I like that. I like that too. I like the fact that 
But here, she says, Ryerson kept telling the general it would be okay, but general wasn't convinced and rightly so. He was very clear that Ryerson would pay if they didn't catch Mac and Kate, which you kind of, you got this, the idea at the end where, guess what, Ryerson, now you're done. So you got the end of his story, too, with that episode. Um, and I like that they just showed enough of the bad guys. They weren't uh, run-of-the-mill bad guy of the week. Just that. They had some dynamic to them. Uh, it was a good use of both of those skilled actors to actually have them have, show their conversations with each other. And the weaselly snake of Ryerson saying, no, 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 I got it. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, <clears throat> she says, overall, it is one of my favorite MacGyver episodes. Oh, she, she did the five and five. Lots of action, a little romance, and great MacGyverisms. Can't wait to hear your thoughts. Thanks for the podcast. You're welcome, Maria. And thank you for that. Um, again, I, I, you know, I don't know if I start saying five of five or whatever. I'm going to feel guilty when I say four or five or three or whatever. But yeah, uh, definitely, like I said, I can't. It, it's despite my the moment of uh, what the low point of waiting for those darn juggernauts and rolling cans of explosion to roll down the hill. It's an excellent episode. Excellent all the way around. Um, let's see. One other thing before I go. Oh, by the way, before I started recording this, I got our new logo uh, from Joseph Arnold. So I just posted it last night. Go to our Facebook page and check it out. Uh, it's just the MacGyver podcast. It's on Facebook. Uh, like us, please, while you're there, because then it helps me get the word out. I have wonderful people like Maria, who is very vocal with uh, letting me know what she thinks, letting me know what she wants. Uh, but I need to hear from more people. I will get the occasional, uh, hey, when's the next episode coming out? Well, I need to hear some thoughts from you guys. I'll, I'm all for doing the episodes. I, like I said before, I am also do the other podcast, which is chock full of MacGyver uh, conversation in there. But it's obviously not just MacGyver. It's more comics, TV, movies, and music. Um, but again, check it out. Give me your thoughts. Uh, it will be easier to crank out more of these episodes once I hear from more of you. I want to hear your thoughts. I want to hear. Uh, I want to be able to read your emails on a, on the next episode, and so on and so forth. Uh, I want to hear your stories. Um, like I said, I heard from Thomas, who will let me know of any sort of MacGyver moment that he's had in his life, if it reminds him of an episode, or you know, a type of character that he'll meet along his journey. And that's what I want to hear from you guys. Um, but one of the things that popped up on the MacGyver online site, which again, they're very wonderful and gracious to support us and put us at the top of their new section whenever I put out a new episode such as this one. Um, one of the questions that came up was the classic, I don't want to call it classic because that makes it sound like it's a good thing. 
the jump the shark question, which came about because, and again, I know you all know this, just for those who don't, let me share. <clears throat> Happy Days, uh, coincidentally, Henry Winkler, the Fonz, is the producer of MacGyver, as you know. But Happy Days did a episode, I guess it was third season? It was a two-parter, but basically Fonzie jumps his motorcycle over a whole bunch of barrels. And it's a Guinness World Record. Yay! You know, wonderful. Years later, they ended up doing it again when he... They went to California because the Fonz was going to get a movie role. Long story short, he ends up jumping a shark to prove that he's not afraid and, you know, he... I don't care, I'm still going to do it. A lot of people have said, coined the phrase, jump the shark, because what the writers did, it's not the star's fault, they'd be the writers, if anybody. They went back to the well of, well, let's just have Fonzie do another spectacular stunt. Uh, and it was basically, instead of it being a motorcycle over cans, it was skis over a shark. Uh, again, it's fine. If you like Happy Days and you like the Fonz as I do, whatever, I'll take anything you can get. As a matter of fact, they ended up doing it a couple more times through the years. Uh, there was a rodeo episode where they went to the Cunningham uncle's farm to help them, and Fonzie was riding a horse, and blah. Anyway, it's great for Fonzie and great for that, but it coined that phrase, Jump the Shark. Now... I hate the whole term. It's cynical. Uh, it's arrogant. Let's all remember we're not television writers. Even if we were, shut up. That's what they had to deal with at the time. How does this relate to MacGyver? Well, the question, and I guess there is the Jump the Shark site, which I hope has gone away now. Because all it does is spread negativity and cynicism. Anyway. And what that, that site will do is pick any show and just tell us, what do you th when do you think this show jumped the shark? And then people vote in. And it's people voting in on stupid reasons. That term, jump the shark, I think only applied with shows like Happy Days. Um, there have only been a couple examples of other shows where that has happened. But overall, most shows didn't do that. It's only when the writing got lazy where... And I'll give you an, uh, an example of a more recent one. For me, I've always said uh, Home Improvement always did basically the same episode every every episode. You can tell what act, what was going to happen. When he was going to go out and talk to Wilson behind the fence. And Wilson was going to give him advice. And then he was going to go, oh, okay, you're right. And then turn around and make apologies to either his wife or one of the kids or... Al on the TV show and then do something clumsy and the episode's over. Um, did it ever jump the shark? I don't think it ever jumped the shark because it always stayed the same show. From the beginning to the end, it was the same episode. Happy Days apparently had a crest that people feel it got up to and then that jump the shark episode, they never felt it recovered after that. Whereas I felt the show got better throughout the years more or less Fonzie became a, a, a much better character he went from being the arrogant 
street punk that nobody wanted to bother with to being the sweet guy who was trying to make the world a better place. And through that series, you see his whole arc. You see him just through the years get rid of the arrogance, uh, be kinder, you know, give advice, that type of thing. Uh, but MacGyver, did MacGyver ever jump the shark was the question. And if it did for you, when was it? I hate that. I hate that. I hate that. I, I have venom dripping from my fangs right now. Not just because it's MacGyver, but because of that, like I said, the idea of jump the shark of anything. But now you try, you know, people want to apply that to something as wonderful as MacGyver? No. The only thing that MacGyver ever, if I was ever going to criticize, would be certain, and I've said this before from on other uh, episodes, was when the writers would borrow or steal a little too heavy from current events or other people, say a movie, like, uh, was it Slapshots? Was that the name of it? Paul Newman? Anyway. Uh, or Jessica, who fell down the well. That, you know, you can tell, or Witness, that one episode is that whole thing. Uh, only it's, let's throw MacGyver in there and see how he does. How would MacGyver fix this situation? I can hear them in the writing room saying that. How would MacGyver fix this? But as far as Jump the Shark, no. Uh, the writers never got lazy. If anything, I always felt like the, the seventh season... Uh, was a brand new day it it was cool he moved into a new neighborhood he had new people to interact with even though they knew it was probably the last season uh they still were keeping it fresh they didn't just sit around and you know, whatever let's just crank another one out i don't think macgyver is a type of show that you can do that because of how tight the action and dynamic is if anybody didn't give a hundred percent you would you'd notice right away because the MacGyverisms would lack or the plot would be too thin um so yeah I mean people I remember having this conversation with um, a friend of mine in a comic book store because he was the one who first told me about the site uh, the jump the shark site and this is going back 10 years or more and he said overall no people felt it never jumped the shark which is right that is the right answer um, but the people who are negative and nasty and do the well I don't like to admit that somebody's smarter than myself so I'm gonna nitpick and try and like talk down you know whatever part of MacGyver which you'll see all of that on any sort of YouTube video uh, and it just shows there ignorance and arrogance and foolishness but some of the reasons that they would give for this would be it was when he stopped wearing his brown leather jacket or his original brown leather jacket really that's that's when the show was lost for you you're that superficial that it's about his jacket really it's you know or it's when he stopped hanging out with Jack Dalton every season. You didn't see Jack, or you know, uh, the only great ones were 
when Penny Parker was in it, or it could have been when Penny Parker wasn't in it, uh, or it was when Pete went blind, that type of garbage. I mean, see, think about what you're saying. If that's how people feel about a franchise because of that minute detail, you're a fool. You, you don't you don't deserve the greatness of MacGyver. I'll say that. It's my podcast. I'm saying it. If you are that superficial, you clearly don't get what the idea of MacGyver is about. As a matter of fact, I was talking about this uh, on the other podcast, talking about jackets and how cool they are and how much they enhance a character. Um... Uh, you know, think about the famous people with jackets. The Fonz, coincidentally, right? The jacket is a symbol of the Fonz, the black leather jacket with the collar that you can pop up. Um, Indiana Jones has a great jacket. Uh, MacGyver also doesn't just have one jacket. He's got a few. We all know. Uh, the blue flight jacket, the bo brown bomber. I mean... We can go on. But the difference is with someone like MacGyver, and I could say the same thing for Jack O'Neill, um, or any good, think of any good hero that you like uh, in any current show. Uh, Duncan McCloud would wear trench coats because he's immortal on Highlander. Uh, black trench coat or whatever. You could say that's his... Uh, iconic look yes it is but does the jacket make the man or does the man make the jacket in the case of people like Richard Dean Anderson and the characters that he's played I truly feel the man makes the jacket if the character is exciting and entertaining to watch he'll make whatever he's wearing seem cool whatever style he's wearing it seem cool I know on Stargate, when he's off-duty, he'll wear different jackets uh, besides the off-world, you know, gear that he wears. And he's got this cool tan, uh, tan mid-length coat, and he's got a brown one. It just He also has, coincidentally, the brown bomber that he wore on MacGyver. He also wore on Stargate. I think that's Richard Dean Ander one of Richard Dean Anderson's jackets. Um... But he made them look cool. You know? And I think... I try to keep that in mind when it comes down to... How do I feel about myself? Uh, if I wear this jacket, is it making me look cool? Or... Do I, being the best person I can be... Maybe stand out from the crowd, which is what I always try to do. Just... I think we all should. I think we should all be... I mean, what's the saying? We're all heroes in our own story. Um, but I like to be a cut above. I like the idea of, a la MacGyver, have a bunch of skills that may not even be tapped into for years. Uh, but you're going to see them when the need arises. You know, like MacGyver doesn't walk around with a big sign saying, here's all I can do. He keeps that well hidden. It's, it's part of who he is and once you get to know him and once you're in a situation you're just like Kate Connolly going what what are you, what are you doing what what is that what are, what are you going to do with that to have knowledge this is a cliche knowledge is power but it's a cliche for a reason 
That's what it means. To have to know as much as I possibly can. Uh, I want to be the uh, the best fighter I can be. So I took uh, American Kempo. Um, I want to be able to pick a lock, so I learned how to do that. You know that type of thing. I, I do the brains over brawn MacGyver stuff. I want to know all that he knows. I want to have. I want to think the way that he thinks. Because there's no limit to it. You can only get so physically strong. Um, that, you know, everybody. And you'll see this as a as kids go, and then unfortunately adults. They think, well, I'm stronger than you. I'm taller than you. You know, I'm I'm bigger and mu more muscle, full of muscle. Well, all right, yeah, but I can still beat you because I have skill and I have brains and you know. So I don't. I think that matters more than what you're wearing. And it's funny too because there are times when there are people around me who will point out. A certain jackets like oh there's this famous blah 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 jacket I'm like what yeah you you always wear that jacket and they kind of identify me when they see that jacket somewhere even though if I'm not with them uh and I remember that happening recently and that's when it really put a big smile on my face that I'm achieving the man makes the myth as opposed to the look making the man you know so that's my thoughts uh, for this round. I need everybody to go to our Facebook page, hit like, let me know your thoughts. Uh, also, underneath this um, this video, give me your two cents. Uh, let me know if you agree, disagree. Let me know what you want to see in the future. Because, again, I'm trying to make this a community thing as opposed to me just rattling off my two cents. Uh, go to richardineanderson.com. That's uh, his Richardine Anderson's official page. Go to the MacGyver online site. And let's see what else. Oh, there's also MacGyver Global, which has actually started. Um, if you've read the comic book, which we went over earlier, there's an advertisement for that. And that's very cool. That's all about spreading the good word of MacGyver. So check that out. Uh, the, the Richard Dean Anderson website, MacGyver Online, the complete MacGyver resource page, and MacGyver Global. And check out GateWorld, because that's always good for any sort of Stargate news. Unfortunately, there hasn't been so much lately. Uh, Richard Dean Anderson is Anderson R. Dean. That's his Twitter handle. He doesn't go on as much as I would like him to. Um, so at least you could follow when he does. It's, it's always worth it. And uh, yeah, spread the word. Let people know about this uh, podcast. And please give me your two cents. It's much easier to crank these out when I have more fuel for my fire, as they say. All right. Let's see, what kind of music can I play for you fine folks at the end of this episode? I think, hmm, I need to actually look in, I'm thinking a Billy Joel song. Um, let's see, how about The Entertainer, just off the top of my head? I'm going to pick The Entertainer. 
So it's a nice catchy one. It's a good way to go out. All right. I will see you fine folks next time. I look forward to hearing from you. And thank you again for all your support. And thanks for listening. Talk to you later. Entertainer, and I know just where I stand. Another serenader and another long-haired band. Today I am your champion. I may have won your hearts, but I know the game. You forget my name, and I won't be here in another year if I don't stay on the charts. Ooh. I am the entertainer, and I've had to pay my price. twice. Ah, but still they come to haunt me. Still they want their say. So I've earned to dance with a hand in my pants. Let them rub my neck and I write them a check and they go their merry way. Ooh. I am the entertainer. Been all around the world. I played all kinds of palaces. Laid all kinds of girls. I can't remember faces. I don't remember After a while and a thousand miles, it all becomes the same. I am the entertainer, bring to you my songs. I'd like to spend a day or two, I can't stay that long. I got to meet expenses, I got to stay in line. I just don't have the time